welcome to episode 243 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Tuesday, October 27th, 2020. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein. I was not on the most recent episode, and I am sorry for that, so I'm making up to you by hosting today, and I got to attend a little bit of media availability where I got to speak with incoming freshman Jeremy Roach about his transition to college and and all the fun stuff going on around the team. So guys, I'm I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to attend this weekend. It was it was kind of a hectic weekend I think for a lot of us, so we just wanted to make sure that we we got an episode out to you because we did have stuff to talk about, but of course there's there's always more. That being said, I think I'm monologuing, so let me introduce my partners in crime here, as always, I've got Donald Wine on the phone. Donald, how are you? I am doing all right. It's Tuesday. Not much going on here in D.C. We're just kind of, I hate using the, the phrase, the calm before the storm, but that's what we're in right now with a week left. One week, one week. One more week. And Jason Evans is also here. He's in Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, so, Sam, I know you couldn't be there on Saturday for us to talk about John Shire. I hope you listened in. Coach Shire had a lot of really I, interesting. I did, actually. I We've talked about this, I think, a little bit offline about how often we actually listen to the show when somebody else ends up editing it because we we kind of split the editing duties. And, and then after the fact, I think Jason actually listens to the program every time or, or maybe close to it. I don't normally. <laughs> But I did, I downloaded it and I put it at the top of my feed this weekend. I, I was on a little road trip for the weekend and was able to listen to it in the car. So yes, I enjoyed the interview with Coach Shire. I thought he had a lot of interesting stuff to say. I, I do have to admit, I want to apologize to both of you and to everyone else out there. I edited the Shire episode and I messed up my music cues. And so there was music... There was the Duke band playing over Donald and me talking a couple times during the podcast. I apologize. It is a terrible error that I, yeah, it was just, I was moving lots of, Hey, I had a lot to move around because we're using so many John Shire sound bites. And when I move stuff around, my music cues went in the wrong place. It's technical and complicated and no one cares. It was screwed up and it's my fault. Hey, at least it was the Duke band because the Duke band's (laughs) melodies are always going to carry any episode. Always on topic here. Jason, I'll say you're totally forgiven. Folks, Jason has edited the majority of the episodes of this program that we have done. So so no harm, no foul. He, well, small harm, but but no foul. We'll, we'll let you go with the contact on this one. We will. So we've got a little bit to talk about today. There is a bit of NCAA news around the games that were scheduled to be played in Orlando, these these early season MTEs that were supposed to be in Orlando appear to be off. But before we get to that, we did want to play some audio from this interview that I and a number of other media members uh, got with Jeremy Roach this morning. So today's Tuesday. This was Tuesday morning. We got to talk to Jeremy Roach about a number of topics. So here is the various Duke media asking questions of Jeremy Roach today. All right, we'll go to Steve Wiseman next. Steve, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Jeremy, nice to meet you uh, electronically anyway. I'm Steve Wiseman with the Raleigh News and Observer and the Durham Herald Sun newspapers. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, what it's like to run this offense at Duke when 
Um, uh, you know, you have a lot of options. You have a lot of guys away from the basket, not just dump the ball inside and let, get in the basket that way. As you're a point guard and you come up the court, what's that like for you? It's fun. Uh, just to play fast and just to know you got guys on the wing and, and the bigs that you can you can kick to, you can dump off to, and, and, they'll, and they'll make plays too. Uh, you got guys like Jalen Johnson, Wendell Moore, Matt Hurt on the wing. Um, it's, just, it's just crazy to play with guys like that, and it, it's just fun just to play to, play with that kind of talent. Hey, hey, Jeremy, JB Ricks here from Spectrum News One. Thanks so much for taking out the time. Nice to meet you as well. Um, I got a question for you in regards to based off of the practices that have taken place so far. Um, who's going to be that go-to guy you think on this team when, when it comes to crunch time, when you guys need that bucket down the stretch or whatnot? I mean, you guys have plenty of veterans and obviously another uh, stellar freshman class to work with too. But based off the practices so far, who's going to be that go-to guy when it comes to uh, crunch time? Uh, I think we got a lot of guys that could be that go-to guy. Um, like for one, we got Matt Hurt. Uh, we got Wendell Moore. Uh, we got Jalen Johnson. We got we can dump it down to Mark Wynn. So we just got a lot of guys that I feel like it, that could uh, fit that moment and just make the big play and make the right play. Hey, Jeremy. Brian McLaughlin with uh, Devils Illustrated and Rivals.com. Mm -hmm. How are you doing? How you doing? Good. Um, so I wanted to ask a little bit about Jordan Goldwire again. I know Trey Jones and Jordan played a lot at the same time last mm -hmm. year. Have you had an opportunity so far to work with him on the court together? Uh, in practice, or is it just kind of facing off against each other right now? Uh, we definitely got a lot of reps in together. Um, it's, it, it's it's fun playing with him. Like, we, if he can bring it up, I can bring it up. Uh, he, he can defend full court, I can defend full court. So it's just, it's really just a fast paced game when we're, when we're in the game together. So that's that's my type of game. So I'm, 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 ready, to, I'm ready to play with him. Well, and a follow up to that. On the defensive side of the ball, I mean, he, he's gained a reputation for being one of the better defenders. What have you learned from uh, Jordan in that regard? Uh, definitely one of the one of the toughest defenders I've I played I played uh, against. Just I'm trying to just pick up on techniques that he does, just just the little things that he does to make him such a great defender. All right, we'll go uh, Brian Horace, Chris Clark, Brendan Marks. Brian, go ahead. What's up, Jeremy? Uh, Brian Horace here from DukeBlogger.com, fellow DMV here in DC. <laughs> How you doing? Um, good, man. My question was, um, everyone we've talked to so far has talked about how you guys are going to play fast and how, you know, you guys are going to be deadly uh, in transition. How are things going in the half court? Have you guys worked extensively on half court stuff? Uh, we definitely worked on some half court stuff, but I think the main thing is just is just spacing out and just we have so many guards that can break, break people down one-on-one. -on -one. We can just break people down, find the, find the open man. We can swing it one more time. Just It's just – it's just so much stuff that we can do in the in the, in the half court because we have so many guards that can break people down. So uh, we definitely have sets, but if it's, it's really just a four out one in and just guards breaking people down. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Sam Klein, go ahead. Uh, Jeremy, who so far have you hung out with the most? Like who's your best friend on the team? And um, what are kind of the, What's the socializing like, especially now that you guys are all limited given the situation around the pandemic? Uh, I mean, I'm close with all the guys on the team. Like all the guys on the team are my brothers. But I just say, just because I've had a, I've had an early relationship with them. Uh, Wendell Moore, we played uh, we played uh, like during my high school years uh, with Team USA. So I probably say I have a closer relationship with him. And how about socializing during the you know? You, I imagine you can't see a lot of the other students on campus. Oh, no. um, I guess mostly just socializing among it's the team. Yeah, just mostly socializing among the team and 
managers and coaches, stuff like that. All right, Jeremy, I got one more for you. This came from Jim Sumner. Um, his question was, did Coach K's willingness to start a true freshman at point guard uh, influence your decision to come to Duke? Uh, yeah, it did. But he always told me that that the spot would never be given. So, I mean, I just had to work my – he said work my butt off. And, and if the – if it, if it's right, then he'll get he can give me the starting spot. But I don't I don't I don't think it would be like it's never gonna be as a, a locked starting five. Like we have so many guys that can that can play and and be on the floor at, at one time. So just take it one game at a time. A lot of good stuff in there about the team and how they're coming together. Jason, I'll start with you. Give me your big takeaway from what you heard from Jeremy Roach today. So uh, one of the things that came out of the John Shire interview that relates to what Jeremy Roach had to say was uh, there were questions about Jalen Johnson's role on this team and that we haven't heard a lot about. One of the things that we've remarked on, we haven't heard a lot about Jalen Johnson um, and uh, John Shire was specifically asked about him. And John Shire's answer was, you know, it wasn't exactly a, wow, Jalen's been amazing. Uh, you know, it was it, Shire said Jalen's looking for his base. He's looking for the things he does really well and then to build off of that, which doesn't sound like the kind of thing you'd hear from someone who's a future lottery pick, which everyone says Jalen Johnson is a future lottery pick. So I was very intrigued that we had a question. Um, J.B. Ricks asked, Jeremy Roach, and he said, hey, who's the go-to guy in practice? Who, who's the guy who's making the big play? And Jeremy Roach said a couple of very predictable names. He said, Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore. We're not surprised at those two answers. Uh, you know, those are the two guys who we expect to be probably the two guys who get the most minutes on the team. Certainly, we've, we heard a lot lately about how great Matthew Hurt is playing, that he's the leading scorer in virtually every practice. But then Jeremy Roach said, Jalen Johnson and Mark Williams are the other guys who are like, Again, he was asked about go-to guys. First of all, I'm I'm thrilled that the Jalen Johnson's name got in there. It shows me that Jalen may be practicing better than maybe what we've heard. It shows me that Jalen may be asserting himself, finding that base and building on it. But then Mark Williams, again, we get Mark Williams. It is crazy how often for a guy who is like not even a top 30 kind of recruit, you know, everyone said, oh, he's really tall and athletic, but it's going to take him time to adjust the college game. He won't be an offensive force early on. He'll protect the rim, but that's what he's going to do. We keep on hearing about Mark Williams impressing in practice. Yes, Jalen. Yeah, I'm sorry. You asked Jeremy Roach, who's the go-to guy? The name Mark Williams came out of his mouth. I was shocked at that. And, and it's yet another sign, I think, that Mark Williams is going to play a bigger role than anyone anticipated for him this year. The Mark Williams thing I thought was the most interesting because, of course, we expect Matthew Hurt and Wendell Moore and Jalen Johnson to be those go-to guys, as you said, Jason. But Mark Williams, as we've said, we don't even expect him necessarily to get the majority of minutes on the floor this year. But if he is that dominant in practice and if he is able to score, then that is a that's a huge lift for Duke. And and Coach Shire mentioned hey, hey, yeah. important point about Mark Williams that we should we should mention. My bet is that he is almost exclusively going, you know, in practice, that he is going up against Patrick Tepe, who, who is a fifth year, been in college for a while. He's a man. And he is someone who is experienced at playing division one basketball in the post. If Mark Williams is showing impressively against Patrick Tepe, wow, that, that really says something. 
This is not freshman Brian Zubek on freshman Lance Thomas, right? Patrick Tepay, if nothing else, he may not be the most skilled big man, but he's got the size and and the coordination of a fifth-year senior. So that that says a lot to me. It also speaks a little bit to what John Shire said to us the other day, which is that, look, we don't have that that go-to post guy the way that we have in the past, and we're going to need to be a little bit craftier in the way that, that Duke scores this year. If Mark Williams is able to provide – Eight ten minutes a game or eight ten points a game from doing low post stuff, then that is going to really help the the rest of the team space the floor. Roach talked about how in the when they're practicing in the half court, they they've learned that a lot of the guys in the team are good at that kind of one on one game. If if you have a, a post player that that's a threat, then then that gives you the opportunity potentially to create more clear outs because that guy can kind of go to the weak side and, and maybe you have a little bit more room for some of these perimeter drivers to operate. Donald, what did you hear from Jeremy Roach in this interview? You know, you guys talked about the first thing I was going to mention with regards to the, you know, who's getting the final shot, who's the go-to guy. Uh, and you kind of touched on the second thing I was going to talk about, which is the spacing that they have. The fact that he said that he has been playing a lot with Jordan Goldwire. I think if you recall a couple episodes ago, DJ Stewart said he was also doing a lot with Jordan Goldwire. So one, I think something that we expected, Jordan Goldwire is the constant when it comes to the point guards. He's going to be one of the starters and it'll be Stewart or Roach kind of competing for time at that other spot. But the fact that they both can play well with Jordan Goldwire is going to be a great thing. I think the other thing that was interesting when you talked about the spacing that he mentioned, he mentioned that a lot of guys on this team can break teams down one on one on the dribble. So it sounds like it we're kind of venturing away from something that we haven't really done a lot in the past, which is dribble drive penetration kicking out to somebody on the wing who, you know, if we have Joey Baker, uh, Matthew Hurt, Jalen Johnson on the wings who can, you know, splash three pointers, that makes the dribble drive that much more effective. So I look forward to seeing who is going to be the guy with the ball in his hands when it's clutch time, who's going to be distributing to all these guys, because, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, we have three guys who are capable of doing that. It's just a matter of which one Coach K feels, you know, more comfortable with down the stretch. And and it's worth noting that uh, while all of us like to think that players fall into handy positional, um, uh, you know, cubby holes, buckets, as you may say, um, Coach K has shown Jordan Goldwire played 24 plus minutes per game last year, even though Trey Jones was playing virtually every minute of, of the game if, if he could, uh, if it was a competitive game. So and that was two point guards. Coach K has shown repeatedly that he has no problem playing two ostensive point guards at the same time. So I'm not at all surprised that point guard Mr. Roach and point guard Mr. Goldwire are playing together on this team. And you'll need that because it's very clear there's going to be times where you're going to need more than one person who can handle the pressure of dribbling up and starting the offense, especially down the stretch. You can't have just one point guard. We've proven over and over again that if you have two guys that are capable of bringing the ball up, setting an offense, and executing it, that makes the defense have to be on their toes even that much more because it's not like you can force the ball out of one guy's hands and break the entire offense down. You just force it into the other guy's hands or the third guy's hands, and the offense still continues. And we're going to see with all those different guards that Duke has a lot of different combinations of scoring, 
ball handling, driving, like all, all the different guys that, that Duke can throw out at guard means that teams have to prepare for all of these different combos. Like, like Jeremy Roach said, he can play with, uh, with, he can play with Wendell Moore. He can play with Jordan Goldwire. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see all of that, you know, kind of shake out over the course of the season. The one other thing that I thought was just fun was how I got to ask Jeremy Roach about his relationships on the team and, and how that's developing. He, he he mentioned, I think, in another question that the team, the, you know, they're still trying to get to know each other. The, the chemistry isn't entirely there yet, but that he's gotten really close with Wendell Moore, which is awesome because Moore, of course, will be one of the, the key players that he's in the backcourt with. And that even though the the team don't get to socialize much with the rest of the Duke student body, at least they're getting to know each other and, and the team managers and the coaches and, you know, selfishly for us as fans those are the relationships that are most important so so let them spend more time together i think that's fun although it does obviously come at the detriment of them getting the the sort of full duke experience that's going to be important because as we've talked about throughout the summer the end of the semester is coming up by this time next month the entire rest of the student body will be gone for the for the winter or at least for the for the Christmas holiday. Then after that, it will be just them and football for a couple more weeks. And then they'll have the run of the campus and really the Washington Duke for an entire month where it's just going to be them on campus. So the fact that they're being able to gel together right now is really going to lend itself to when they are the only people left with the keys to the campus uh, and are able to, you know, really use that to kind of hone in on their on their chemistry and really take it to that next level. Yeah, but but I don't know that that's going to feel any different for, to them from what they've been experiencing thus far because they have been so isolated from the rest of the student body. And, and frankly, you know, these crazy times we're living in, that's that's what's required. Uh, they won't have the know, football team there. They, I mean, they're, they're, right, both, they're both staying yeah. in the same spot. So the football team be gone and that's 100 people who will no longer that's be in point. that in those quarters. So. And let's be real, Shooters isn't open right now. So where are they going anyway, right? You, there's nowhere to go on campus. You can't, you, there's nowhere to go off campus. So, so let, them, let, them, let them stick with each other, play video games, play basketball, and, and let us dissect every little thing that's going on. So we want to thank Jeremy Roach again for, for taking some time to answer questions with the media today. We are going to take a quick break, but when we get back, It's not March Madness, but we are going to talk about all the madness around NCAA scheduling that's going on this early in the season. Thanks to coronavirus, we will be right. All right, guys, as I mentioned before, there was reporting this week from, I think it first came from The Athletic, but then all the major college basketball news outlets were reporting about how the Walt Disney Company, who of course owns ESPN and the wide world of sports down in Orlando, where they where they've been playing all the basketball games and where they had been planning to play a lot of college basketball games here in the next month, announced that the Walt Disney Company decided that they were not comfortable with the various COVID protocols that the teams that were coming to play in these events were going to be using prior to arriving and then upon their arrival, the company really wants to to kind of button up the, the the bubble that they've got going down there in Orlando. So all of the college basketball games that were scheduled to take place in Orlando, which was, if you hadn't been following, 
pretty much all of the marquee early season events were going to be happening in Orlando. They're now all off. They are trying to figure out where to move. Some of them are are moving. It sounds like they might be going to South Dakota. Some might be going to Mohegan Sun. Some might be going to Indianapolis. They're going all over the place. And really, they're now they're now kind of in the hands of the individual schools who are sending teams and ESPN, of course, the broadcast partner, trying to figure out what is going to be a safe way for everybody to agree to play these games. It obviously throws Duke's schedule into a bit of a loop because Duke's marquee game in the early season was going to be the Champions Classic against Michigan State. That game, among many others, was one that is now going to have to move. So, Donald, any thoughts on this about how we're going to be scrambling here right before the season starts to get things scheduled? I'm sure that the the coaching staffs are are feeling a little bit of pressure because they don't know what games they're preparing for yet, and they're supposed to be starting the season in under a month. Yeah, and it's interesting, right? Yeah, I think when we heard this news first, they mentioned they whoever was mentioned, I think it was Matt Norlander was the tweet that we saw, made specific note of the fact that they were trying to do something to salvage the Champions Classic. I, this is just me guessing here, very uneducated guess at this point, because who knows what's going to happen. But I would not be surprised if they go back to the United Center where the 2020 Champions Classic was already pre-scheduled to be. Why I say that? Because the NBA is now shooting to start their season on December 22nd, and this will be a nice dry run for the Bulls to figure out how they would be able to move operations into their own facility for the 2020-2021 NBA season. So I would expect that to happen. But when it comes to all these other multi-team events, really the breakdown came with the conferences. And I'm Again, we've talked about the fact that these conferences have had different, they've had different strategies, they've had different approaches, they've had different regulations, they've had different rules about how they combat the coronavirus and keep everything safe. But when they get into a room, they think that whatever their regulation is, is the best way to do it so that everyone else who has their own different ones, they're not going to hear any of that. And I think the, the breakdown was the conferences agreeing on something where everyone could be a part of the same regulations or same, you know, testing restrictions and what what have you so that these games could be played. Do I think that's going to happen now? There's no reason for me to think that some of these tournaments are going to proceed as scheduled in another location because ESPN is trying to get all these people on the same page and they couldn't do it. So what's next? It's the NCAA. Once again, revert back to the fact that there needs to be an adult at the table, an adult in the room, it sits all these conferences down and says one strategy, one set of restrictions, one set of rules so that everyone can abide by them for these multi-team events so that they can be played as safely as possible. But they couldn't even agree on these kinds of rules for college football, which has fewer teams and fewer games and you know, obviously a lot more people on a football field, but the games are outside, so there's a little bit less COVID risk around that. The NCAA couldn't get anybody on board for that, and even the conferences had a hard time wrangling their members, who presumably are of somewhat like mind because they agreed to all be in a conference together. Well, so here's why Jay Billis and Coach K have both said college basketball needs a SAR. Uh, you say they couldn't make reach an agreement. You're right. They couldn't reach an agreement. So sometimes you need a benevolent dictator. I love that term. You need a benevolent dictator to say, okay, I don't need you all to reach an agreement. I'm making the decision for everybody, and this is what we're going to do. 
And this is what college basketball needs at a time like this. They don't have it. So, I mean, we could talk endlessly about the benefits that would come as a result of having someone in charge of the sport. We don't have it. There's no reason to talk about it anymore other than to say the chaos that we're seeing now with scheduling, with conferences and teams unable to figure things out is a direct result of the fact that that there is no set one way of working things. By the way, I think this all relates to, we talked, we've talked extensively about Duke's schedule. I think one of the reasons perhaps that, that Duke has mostly scheduled smaller teams, um, teams that don't have as much power in the sport versus playing other power five teams or maybe going to neutral courts and playing in multi-team events and the such, is that Duke feels good about our current protocols, the way we're controlling things. And my bet is we are telling every single one of these schools that we are playing, all of whom, by the way, are going to be coming to Durham to play. We are saying, here's the five different things, the 10 different things, whatever it is that you need to do before you arrive at Duke. We are dictating. And if you can do it, great. Come here to Cameron. We'll cut you a check. We'll play a game on TV. If you can't do it, fine. We will find someone else. That is a lot harder to do if you're like, hey, Tennessee or Marquette or Georgetown, you name it. Hey, let's let's figure something out. Those are power conference schools. There are schools where it may be tougher to dictate terms. My bet is Duke is strictly dictating terms to the smaller conference teams, and that's why our non-conference schedule is smaller conference teams. And the other thing about all this is there is growing talk that conferences, especially the power conferences, are like, we're done. We want to play conference games only. We don't want we don't want to try and do this stuff anymore. Um, and I still think, even though we are literally we're less than a month from the beginning of the season, I still think it's very possible that the entire, you know, non-conference preseason falls apart, or or at least a lot of it falls apart because because the various conferences really want to be playing themselves where they can control things better. And really keep in mind that the one you know multi-team event, if you will, that we uh, were scheduled to play, or there's two really. There's the Champions Classic, which is now where is it going to be played, and the one that we were scheduling for campus with uh, Elon Bellerman and Howard being another participant to play those other two teams. But we haven't heard anything else about it. We haven't heard dates. We just have speculation. So I wonder if this is all tied into that. It, it's it, all of this is, is jello on the wall. It's going to, is going to eventually move. It's not sticking anywhere. And eventually we're going to, you know, have to put back on the wall. Uh, so I, I think these sort of things is all fluid and it, it's going to be, Interesting how it rolls out the next few weeks. Can 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 I? Did you say Jello on the wall? Oh yeah, Jello uh, on the wall. I haven't. I've heard of spaghetti. <laughs> I haven't heard of Jello on the wall. You never seen it throwing Jello at the wall and see if it sticks. This ain't sticking. No, you throw spaghetti at the wall to see if it sticks to see if it's cooked. Jell-O? I think we're having a cultural moment here on the DBR podcast. <laughs> Sam, wait, I'm Sam, unfamiliar with Jello on the wall. Uh, wait, but, you, but I'm yes not a, Sam. I'm yes not or no? Jello, Jello on the wall. Have you heard of Jello on the wall? I have not, but I'm not a Jello eater, so so I'm not I'm not a good look, person to look, ask for this. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. Y'all not going to put this on me. You're not going to think that I just came up with that on the fly. That is something that has been passed down from generation to generation because there's always room for Jello. All right, folks. If you are familiar with Jello on the wall, email us at dbrpodcast at gmail dot com and tell us. Or, or. Or write about it in a review, in a five-star review, and maybe we'll read one of them. That is a great transition because I think that Jason had a review that he wanted to read on today's episode. Is that right, Jason? 
Yes. So we did get another five-star review um, and we want to highlight them when we get them. Um, we love it, folks. So this is from uh, someone named Devin, not Devon, um, uh, which, which is a great username. I love it. That's like Trayvon, not Trevon of Trevon Duval. Is that is that like that? Uh, that, that may be the derivation sure. of it. I don't know. You know, it seems like every time we get a five-star review, we have a question for the person about where their name came from. But we want to read the review first. He said, you got to love it. You got to love the DBR podcast. He said, I don't have any friends that are Duke fans, but listening to this podcast makes it feel like I do. Devin, Devin, you're, you're hit, touching me in the heart, buddy. I love it. He oh, said, man, I right love there. the conversation. I love the analysis. And I have a question. I, I, this is becoming a trend now that five-star reviews all have questions in them. He said, which Duke player that left school early would have had the most successful career had they stayed all four years in school? Guys, he didn't say it, but I'm going to put a caveat on this. You can't say Zion Williamson because <laughs> I'm sorry. After one year, it was clear that if Zion had stayed four years at Duke, he would have set every record, broken every record. It would have been absolutely absurd. So Devin, not Devon's question, which Duke basketball player who left school early would have had the best four-year career? Donald, I go to you first. I just listened to everything you just said, and I'm still going with Zion Williamson because <laughs> it, that, that's that's it. I mean, honestly, if and I don't think this is hyperbole. If he had stayed all four years and done, you know, at a similar trajectory to most guys who stay four years, he would have gone down as the greatest college athlete that ever lived. Period. A good answer, Sam. But but if Luol Deng had stayed for four years in college we might not have lost to Lehigh in the 2007 tournament. So might? Like, you, might mean, not? you mean, no, that'd be VCU. That'd be VCU. Oh, it's a VCU, VCU, not yeah. Lehigh. It's a VCU. Ugh. Uh, let's see. Luol Deng's a good, I think Luol Deng's actually a, a probably an underrated one because he's sort of pre-proper one-and-done era. Obviously Kyrie Irving, because, oh, what a loss that we only got to see him play in 11 games. You get one. Uh, Who's your answer? Uh, I'll take... I'll take Luol Deng. I, I like Luol Deng as, as my pick. So I, I thought about this a little bit, and, and I want to give you two other ones that haven't been mentioned so far who I really considered. Corey Maggette and Elton Brand. Um, Corey Maggette, I mean, like, dude, dude, was, dude was ridiculous as a freshman. Um, Elton Brand was the, clearly, far and away, best player in college basketball as a sophomore. And, and had he stayed, you saw what he did in the pros when he reached the NBA you know, outstanding career. He would have been completely dominant. But the guy I'm taking is Jason Tatum because I believe, unless my math is incorrect, Jason Tatum, who was second team All-NBA. I'm sorry, was he third team? He was third team All-NBA this year. Should have been second team. Jason Tatum, who was third team All-NBA this year, would have been a Duke senior this year had he not been in the NBA for the past three years. So if you're good enough to be one of the 10 to 15 best players in the NBA, I shudder. I shudder to think of what you would have done had you stayed at Duke for those years instead. I actually think that Jason Tatum's the right answer here. I, I, I think you got that right. Thank Look, you. once again, this is another question, just like the last one uh, that Stormrunner uh, of Hershey Park uh, gave us. This is another one where you could have literally had, you know, 10 different answers and 10 different answers would have been like, yeah, okay, cool. I can see that. Cause all those guys that we just listed, I was just like, yeah, cool. I could definitely, yeah, I could, I could rock with that answer. There is no answer that, you know, uh, that possibly could have come up with like realistically that would have given us pause and, and had cause for a debate. 
Some more names that we never mentioned in this discussion. Tyus Jones, Marvin Bagley III, uh, R.J. Barrett, because he played on the team with Zion Williamson, but but R.J. Barrett, you know, would have only been a sophomore this year. So, how, about Justice yeah. Win- how about Justice Winslow had he played Justice four years? Justice Winslow, oh, really good. He would have owned teams. Oh, it would have been ugly. Jalil Okafer. I mean, there's All a right, bunch yeah. of guys. Yeah. We, I, 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 I want to wrap, wrap this up. up. I it, it Donald just made reference to it, but I had to come back on because I didn't get to come this weekend and apologize to uh, DBR fan Stormrunner, who... I trashed a little bit on the show for saying that Stormrunner was not the best roller coaster at Hershey Park. And it turns out that user Stormrunner did name himself after the Stormrunner ride at Hershey Park. So apologies to you, my friend. You know, live your best life and 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 pick your favorite roller coasters. Don't mind me, but thank you for listening to the show. Uh, let's see what else we got here. I also meant to mention on the last episode that I was on that it was my dad's birthday that day. And my dad is my favorite Duke fan that I know. So I... Here's a late happy birthday to him. You did I think mention you it. Did mention, you said it was I his mentioned birthday. that. <laughs> he did yes. say that. Okay, good. Well, I'm saying it to him again because because he's just that great of a guy. Never too many. Never. Hey, I am a father. My sons don't tell me happy birthday enough. So Sam, good for you. <laughs> happy birthday again, <laughs> Mr. Klein. <laughs> My one last request of DBR fandom. We will actually be back later this week because we have some more fun interviews to run, some very fun interviews to run. But my one ask of of DBR Nation out there, if you are a U.S. citizen, you have one more week to vote. You probably have many options for voting. They might be on Election Day. They might be before Election Day. We encourage you strongly to go exercise your your democratic privilege and your your duty as a citizen and go vote. I did it today at an early voting site here in Boston, and it was it was very exciting. And that's all I have to say about that. Anybody want to echo my my request that everyone go vote? A hundred percent. I have already voted as well. Same. I voted a few weeks ago, uh, turned in my mail-in ballot. Let's go, guys. Let's get it. Let's go. All right. Whoever it is you, whoever it is you support, go vote. It's very important. All right. With that, we will be back later this week. We have more interviews to do. We, I guess maybe we want to talk about the, the football game this weekend, but... Um, things are just going downhill quickly for the football team. Mark Gilbert has announced that he's going to be nursing injuries until the end of the season and, and dropping out of the team and preparing for the draft. So that's a huge bummer to the Duke defense. We will come back on and talk about that, probably just recap the the game this weekend against UNC Charlotte. But until then, for this episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast, for Donald Wine, for Jason Evans, I'm Sam Klein, Duke Band. Take us home.